like for me, life is a fucking dumpster pile and that I'm just eating garbage just with myself all the time. I fucking hate myself constantly (laughs) and I like to feel good and not be in there. And my friends skating with them, doing tricks, hucking fatty bennies, you get a sense of a transcendent alternate reality and it's not, it doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't feel like eating garbage, hating your body, hating your mind, being fucking stuck with the terror of your own self. Skaters, what the fuck is up? Welcome back to another episode of Vent City. This is number 32 or 33. I haven't checked the feed to know which one, but either way, we're glad to have you. Today, we've got myself, whose name is Ted Schmitz. I live in Tempe, Arizona, which is the home state of a totally wild guy who likes to wear horns on his head and do it insurrection. (laughs) And... We also have a fellow Arizonan who I don't know if he was at the Capitol because I didn't see him that day. His name is Ryan Lay, professional skateboarder. Uh, I have graced uh, Q Shaman's presence, though. (laughs) We have. He was at the the BLM protests Uh here. So uh, fellow Zonies and a third (laughs) Zoni, we have... Alan Gomez, who has graced our presence once as well, also at a protest, uh, but also on this show, you may remember him from uh, our discussion on evolution and uh, other things a few months back. So welcome, Alan. Alan, are you more of a Texas guy or an Arizona guy? I've been here about 12 years. Um, I'm not the person to determine that. I know there's probably a committee somewhere that... We check, we, we check out your technies and uh, <laughs> and your pole jam off oh, the docks. Okay. <laughs> well, we could talk about the first one. You're a zony man. There's something that happens after you've had your your skin fried at one twelve for six hours in, in in June. Here really scrambles the brain too, which is awesome. That's a permanent state you live in after a few summers. Creates community, definitely. <laughs> fried egg brains and. Last and always not least, we have Kristen Ebling from Seattle, Washington, aka I did this backwards from it's all good. Occupied Duwamish Territory, aka Seattle, Washington, coming in hot with a bike over her shoulder. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Hanging here in the perpetual rain. Uh, that sounds terrible. I know a place where it never rains, but of course you <laughs> literally have literally never. <laughs> Literally never, but you have to be willing to let your brain scramble. I prefer my covered garage. It's pretty nice. (laughs) Yes. Um, Seattle is popping off with videos, at least. I think they're just being released now, not being filmed now, but it's very good to see. Yeah, Jenny was definitely in the works for quite a long time, so sick to see that finally come out. Shout out Ian for editing that whole video on a trackpad. I just saw that. That seems... What's a trackpad? That's the thing on your like computer not- that's a square, not a mouse. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's I'd, rough. <laughs> I'd rather die and go to hell, which, you know, sounds a little better than editing an hour-long video with a trackpad. 
Well, now that I all have you here, your captive fucking ears, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. These these are the end of times. And you know what? Uh, At some point, there's going to be a solar flare that eats us all while you're listening to this show. We're glad to have you. And just before that, the last thing you saw was a literal (laughs) revolution at the Capitol with some really... I don't know what better way to say it other than misled people. So we've been kind of all glued to our phones dealing with that. And we think that now would be a good time to have some skate discussion and the ways in which uh, these either funny or dangerous ideas may or may not have uh, legitimate claims in our community. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... I think that I just want to start off by having a vague and broad dissection conversation. What are our thoughts as skaters, as citizens, as people of the world watching just absolutely disorganized people do the impossible? <laughs> it seemed it was one of those moments where I'll, I'll just tackle it first. I saw it. I saw it happening. And I was like, this is one of those things that's supposed to be really bad, but is so fucking funny and this is before i knew that anybody died and there are reports of a like an actual i need to i'll fact check this by the time it comes out but things that are like too crazy to be fiction to be real and if you teleport you know you transmit this back to me five years ago i do not believe this reality it is here smack in the face and i i didn't say anything about these moments because well one i have nothing all, all that constructive to say outside of this discussion that we'll have, but it just seems like this time has gotten a little out of hand. Kristen, how was your time yeah. watching well, the events unfold? <laughs> well, I randomly took the day off uh, to get a tooth pulled. And so I like went into the dentist, got my tooth pulled, came home, saw that like the results <laughs> for Georgia. And I was like, well, that's better than what else could have happened, I guess. And I like went, I like put on Star Wars and fell asleep and then I woke up and I was just scrolling Instagram around like maybe one o'clock or something. And I saw my sister-in-law who's from Canada that was like, oh my God, I'm so scared of America right now. And I was like, whoa, what the hell happened? You turn <laughs> on the I TV. Know, that's normal. <laughs> you turn yeah. on the TV and Jar Jar Binks has invaded the Capitol. <laughs> Basically that's what it felt like. No, they just, they just missed that opening on the Death Star and like the Empire just got to keep going as, as normal. How wooed. Um, Yeah. So that was, it was kind of startling. Um, I guess my general broad thought is while it feels kind of good and kind of like, I don't know, like, let's be honest, it's really terrifying what's happening. And so I think where people can go is like humor. And I think where I feel conflicted there is as much as I want to be like making fun of these people, you know, I made some tweet or something about like, man, the finale of duck dynasty is crazy but (laughs) i like after i posted that and stuff then i was like dude do i really i don't know i don't want to be making fun of these people like i think the the demographic it's super hard the demographic breakdown of the protesters definitely seemed to to be pretty mixed you know it's hard to hard to know for sure but definitely a a broad swath of people yes yeah i guess i you know and i feel like so many of these people are motivated by like QAnon and stuff like that Um, And Donald Trump. And I think where Donald Trump has like his grip on people is just that like he's so 
he's so imperfect and like has multiple like, you know, former wives and all these scandals and he's overweight and all these things, right? And he's this completely imperfect person that's really, I don't know, like just shoots from the hip all the time, right? And so I think a lot of yeah. people find comfort in him in some weird way that they, he gives them permission to be like racist and homophobic and uh, xenophobic and all these things. And so I'm like, do I really want to like fault people for falling prey to that like ideology, you know? Yeah. But then again, I'm like, I'm not trying to be like, I don't know. I guess I'm just personally kind of struggling with like how I see and how I relate to these people that like storm the Capitol. Cause at first I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I want to make fun of these people also out of shock. Yeah. But then now that I'm sort yeah. of unpacking it, I'm like, well, that's kind of fucked up. I don't want to be like classist, you know, or yeah. anything like that. And like, there, where's the humor that's not like punching down, you know? Exactly. And yeah. and there's a little bit of envy too, because I'm like, yeah, fucking storm the Capitol. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, why not? Fucking burn those electoral yeah, college. But, but, yeah, votes. for sure. Like the the tenacity that people have, I definitely makes me a little envious, you know? Yeah, and and the I drive. think that there's there's yeah there's something that's almost fantastical, especially coming, you know, from from anybody on the left that it's like, you know, obviously we all saw the meme of a fucking like decked out national guard, fucking like just everybody with like long rifles ready to no scope a whole crowd. And, and then you see that like when those aren't pulled out that this kind of revolutionary action is possible from a, from a large group of people who are, you know, disenfranchised, pissed off and blah, 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 blah. You know that, 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 that those sites, you know, especially for racial reasons are, are not feasible from a left movement because of how, how, uh, off balance the, I, I guess security would be, you know what I mean? They're like, Oh, these people have, they respect law enforcement. Look at all these blue lives matters flags. Yeah. Like they, they're, these are vets. They wouldn't desecrate the Capitol. And it's like, dude, I saw something. I'll have to check this again before I publish it. That somebody smeared shit in the halls. Like <laughs> the kind of ways in which people just absolutely underestimate where these fears are and that it is absolutely cult of personality around uh, one specific political figure. Um, that, that we just don't have that on the left. So there is something that is kind of, it ignites a sort of daydream, you know? Yeah, Alan, what was uh, what was going through your head? A story that I remembered after 9-11 when we had a radio program, ironically, in Austin. And we had to That's decide. like a podcast for old heads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pre-recorded and edited. And we had to figure out what we were going to say. And one of the uh, folks that was on it uh as he was coming to campus, got attacked by a truckload of frat kids that were throwing full beer cans at him. Um, yep. And so what we decided at the time was that we were gonna continue to do what we had already been doing, right? And yep. it was a recognition that that uh, there's a meaning-making moment going on, right? And partly kind of uh, the statements about this could never happen or why is it happening I think reveals a lot about what we imagine politically as possible. And ironically, given that skaters are supposedly to imagine the impossible, not just the tricks, but the something that has never been done, how we, how we, and I say we, but the re, the inheritance we have of how we've come to learn about the world is through conquest. And so the, the, the categories that we use to organize difference 
and similarities um, come to kind of overdetermine what we think is possible. And what I mean by that is that <clears throat> the images that we've seen of of the Capitol Police opening the door for folks, right? The the the, mm -hmm. the deep restraint, right? The yep. fact that there were military active military members in these groups, there were off-duty DC police officers in these groups, reveals that the long American project has never not been about reproducing certain bodies that can live tomorrow. And those bodies are gendered particularly, they're racialized very particularly, they are born in particular areas, they speak particular languages. Yeah. And I think it's very, it's revealing itself yet again, that as we spoke the last time, that the narrative that we have about the USEAN myth of the American project continues to reveal its 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 forgery. And so to 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 say that you know and the language is really important uh, in terms of how we name what is happening of 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 the distinct way that the absence of the surveillance beforehand, even though folks knew this was going to happen, you know, and the images circulating of folks at a hotel after the fact, clearly talking about what they had just done. Yeah. And so the inept, I think, you know, uh, so that sort of was my first feeling of, of what, what is it that we've inherited in a USC and education that disallows us to imagine this type of violence, not only happening, but being justified. And I think, and in the range of, of representational, kind of people of what? And, and I think this is the one thing that I, I would, it's, it's important. There's definitely a congealing around Trump, but it's the ideas that he represents that have a long arc in this country, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, that, that to me, I think is, is, is something that as, as skaters that are, all, that are thinking about the relationship between private property, policing, race, and international kind of movement, and, and all of these, these important issues that we talk about, we, we have to ask and continue to ask these hard questions. And I appreciate the space to, to allow to say that to begin with. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, one thing that really seems evident to me is that they don't really have any clear p political demands. And so that's the reason why they're not threatening, right? Is that yeah. they, they do have this vague notion of, you know, a kind of anti-globalism, but from an Alex Jones perspective, which a thing that I'm thinking about from the summer is, you know, reflecting upon the WTO protests in in the late uh, 90s. Was that 99? Yeah. And how that was such a, a burgeoning moment for left wing politics. And now the only people you hear talk about uh, globalism is just these, you know, right wing cranks. Well, I'm glad that you bring up 9-11, which is not a thing that I like to say. But I think that there, there are so many avenues in which this is not a this is not a cohesive rebellion, so it makes it very confusing. Um, one of them is just that uh, the the dear leader is not a cohesive man. Uh, he speaks in almost only uh, vague platitudes and dog whistles. That's just kind of his language. Uh, the other thing that that has kind of had me not being able to fully enjoy the irony of the moment is that you will see the tampdown come about in a way that is framed to stop this kind of, you know, I don't know, you could call it revolutionary violence or whatever you want to call it. But insurrectionist, maybe. This, yeah, these insurrectionist acts, you, you will see 
and and you brought this up on Twitter, Ryan, and and a number of uh, I think <laughs> forward thinking beyond two weeks people, uh, and backwards thinking beyond ten years people will remember that that the that the language around terrorism will almost always be weaponized to tamp down uh, not only left movements but also bloat the surveillance it, state which is bad for skating too <laughs> i mean it, it's 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 bad for decentralized anti-hierarchical people coming together right and i use those words intentionally in terms of and you know i know that we're going to get to this later but favorite moments in skating in 2020 was unity was for me one of my favorite moments right in the, in the sense of like that crew and and this and what was coming out of that genealogy, right? And so I'm I'm signaling that partly because is it an insurrection? So we say against what and why, and and as and there is a nebulousness in some ways to what is being presented. And what I mean by presented is wherever you get your media from. It's from us. Okay, we'll hear it. So the nebulousness is that there are real ideas there. One, there's a certain idea of who should have access to the benefits of taxes, right? So, right, so- Podcasters. And, and so, uh, without a doubt. And, and then there's, you know, the, the folks that, uh, that get away from us in terms of taxes. Uh, you know, I don't know if podcasts have a collective offshore account yet, right? So, so on one level, there's a, it's, the question is, who is tomorrow for? And these folks are very clear about what kind of world they want tomorrow to be for. And they want it for a certain type of body and person that believes in a very particular way and reproduces a certain kind of cultural normativity that is simultaneously policing what is possible. And so there if we if we if we kind of think about and you know this libertarian right kind of arc, and I'm I'm using that word on purpose in terms of this article that we were reading Hanson O'Haver's A Crime and a Pastime, the paranoid style of American skateboarding. Right to think about the ways in which, uh, to think about how it is that nobody was shot in mass yesterday. The, the the there was a the conversation from the top down about not allowing the national guard, and I'm not saying the national guard's going to come out because it's never been kind to social movements. Never yep. the police yep. never have right, and so I think Ryan's point on another level is what does community safety mean at a local level? When we know that whether it's Seattle in 99 or Seattle in the last year or Portland in the last year, that the violence and the targeting is at a local level. And how do we like recognize that policing that goes on at the skate park around identity is directly connected to the right wing, you know, podcasters and then is directly connected to the way in which this violence played out and isn't called violence. Yeah. People blowing off steam. And so, you know, I didn't want to use the word privilege and white privilege, but I think authoritarianism might be a different entrance, right? And I think yeah. we see here that there's a an authoritarian element that, that individualism and U.S. and exceptionalism kind of creates, whether it's in the notion of being, I'm an individual and I can do whatever I want, or fuck the police anywhere, which no one would disagree with, but we all have itchy feelings when folks are getting jammed up in some other country when the police are a bit different than they are here and yeah. the racial contours of the people in the screen are uncomfortable sometimes there's one that the that so 
if if you take the right wing to be a kind of cohesive uh, political project, that the cops and the and the capital invaders are actually invested in the same uh, the same project, which makes it very weird to see them squabbling and gives you a just a a weird bitter sweetness that uh, that you can't really describe. Um, but then you also have images of them being treating them very kindly, and and those alliances become uh, very sickening to to see them play out. One of them is that yeah, I think the conversation is, I don't know, it's just it's just rotten in so many ways um, that it's not. Again, here is a here's a moment that you know, like like what you're saying, Kristen, is that you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, these people are kind of like from a different culture. Or maybe you know there are class differences between us, blah blah blah. But you you recognize that that this kind of movement is possible for like a united working class, but it's being kind of perverted uh, for a very strange uh, purpose. And there's there's something about the whiteness fueling it, you know, because Trump is such a such a prominent figure for white supremacy at large, and it's very strange because it it once feels like it is like a white movement or 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 it's a it's a movement to preserve whiteness but it's also like like Ryan was saying there's not there there are no clear levers that they're trying to pull which i find very confusing well it just feels like a movement to if anything to um maintain the the current ownership of resources right it's like they they and it kind of speaks a little bit to the the faux uh anti-globalist narrative that they they kind of have instilled in trump even though he is you know a pretty pretty bloodless neoliberal in in all sense of the word yeah yeah I, i mean i guess going back to like my earlier thought and just tying in what ryan was just saying i guess i'm just nervous that like if all we have is just we're making fun of people based off of like them wearing a certain <laughs> dress, which I mean, I can't say that without like giggling, you know, like, <laughs> yep. like, uh, but then if we spend our energy there, right. Like yeah. when are we actually talking about the ideology and like dissecting that and actually talking about the real issues? It's not the fact that this guy had bullhorns and an American flag on his face and was like carrying a blue lives matter flag while storming. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like the imagery, you know, like I want to talk about the actual real stuff that this person believes and the real shit that like we believe and how can we reach and like communicate with those people? Cause my thought is like, if all we're doing is just making fun of them in these different ways and like throwing them out, then I just feel like I just, not that I'm like trying to be like, we need to like reach across the aisle, but I'm just saying like, we waste our energy making fun of these people. Then we're not actually talking about the real issues. Yeah. And, and part of that too, is that usually because politics is spectacle, we spend so much amount of our energy and attention on the most spectacular kind of ironic, terrible, grotesque figures like that dude. Uh, well, uh, I know a little bit about him, not a whole lot, uh, but as somebody who understands the Arizona mindset of the, of, <laughs> of, of the don't tread, who, who comes from a don't tread on me, uh, bloodline, uh, I, I understand something about this fellow. He is he is almost certainly not gettable, like in terms of integrating into any sort of uh, egalitarian uh, left political project. And so 
we spend a lot of our time just talking shit on people, which is also really fun because we're, I'm going to do that as this show unravels a bit. But it's that the, the exactly the, the, the causes of this person's and not just his, but the people who are behind him, you know, because like that crowd is at varying degrees, a, a, a bullhorn shaman man. Uh, some, you know, some, some are the John Mouse potential, Contrarian uh, edgelord. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Well, you know, he may have just been an observant, you know, he's not very clear with what he says, his, his affiliation with Ariel. Oh, and, yeah. Right. You're right. That his, was Ariel pink. Yeah. Yeah. Ariel feels kind of like an edgelord goon, but, but John mouse puts out some cryptic religious text that you go like, I don't know what he's doing there. Maybe he's just curious. Maybe he's just, you know, whatever. Uh, so it feels, um, it feels very exactly misguided just to dunk on kind of uh, a sickening uh, kind of grotesque figure such as the shaman. Uh, Ted actually had an amazing story about this. I hope that it's in the Berate the Birds highlights, but about how uh, how we've spent our entire time kind of looking at this guy and looking at the images of this guy set against the architecture and design of the interior halls of the Capitol. And it's just... And, and what that kind of grotesque imagery says about, you know, our, our political issues. And it's just that, like, it's spectacle, you know, like there's, there's no, there's no actual, uh, tension between powers here. It's just all like a bizarre fucking mess. <laughs> well, uh, now that we all know that, uh, how we felt about the Capitol, I don't know if anybody has any, uh, following remarks on that, but as we hit 30 minutes, let's talk about skating and the ways in which these movements uh, have uh, maybe not roots in skating, but uh, I'm sure that we've all seen a number of semi-notable former A-list, current F-list, current C-list pros. Uh, You're talking about me, Ted? Yes, uh, we've seen. I'm as right we've seen, here. As we've seen, uh, Ryan go further, further into the post-war against the deep state. Uh, this is our last-ditch effort to get to uh, to have a uh, a quintervention. I think that this was a good time because we talked about doing this show for a while, but it's looking at how you know, looking at this movement, there were a lot of young people, and I'm sure that we all saw people skateboarding with Trump flags to the rally, sitting up on the railing of the capitals with a skateboard. And these are not a majority, neither of the crowd nor of skateboarders, but it does make you think about how some of the very popular talking points that we've had sold to us through skating actually do, do map onto either reactionary conservative or kind of libertarian thought and how uh, maybe also our YouTube habits uh, can inform a further descent into the right wing black hole. But I think it's, I think it's a good time that we do spend some time thinking about whether or not at a fundamental level, skateboarding is right wing or if not right wing, a sort of, uh, libertarian activity as 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 the person least implicated perhaps and in, well in different ways for uh what we 
what we say. Um, I, I think it's a mini rant moment. <clears throat> All right. And I want to actually Kristen, ask you, like, like when Chama Sawant, first one of the first socialist city council members to be elected, essentially forces the question of how do we get here? Right. And if we think of the mini ramp video that perhaps many of you have seen and and the attendant claim of individual learning a trick all by yourself. Right. That's a different. How did we get here than recognizing that skateboarding has always been a social relationship of groups of people who were unique. Individualism was the imposition, the cultural imposition that took uniqueness away from respecting difference and yeah. homogenized it toward a very specific directionality that was hyper-masculine, homophobic, aggressive, right? So the meaning making, how did we get here? You know, Shama Sawan offers a different analytic of why problems exist, which is a different understanding of history and it's a different understanding of meaning and a different genealogy. So I, I just want to sort of the mini rant moment is also how did we get to the capital? How did we get to... Um, uh, oh, and just for the, full disclosure, the, the mini ramp video that we're talking about is a, what is it like life lessons on skateboarding and individualism from Tim Pool, who's kind of a, a right wing, you know, grifter daily commentator on political news. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll give some more uh, uh, factoids on, uh, on, on my favorite pool skater. <laughs> I just saw an, See what I did there. an opportunity to transition. Oh, sorry, I was, we transition. both did it too close oh. together. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, no, no, no. I, I actually just want to let you uh, continue. Uh, you see it as a mini rant moment. I'm excited to see where this metaphor goes. Well, if, if the video is telling us both that one and others that it's an individual process of learning, then, then we're not recognizing that it's actually not. It takes a community we're built on genealogies. We need support from others. And so that individualistic narrative that we've inherited, if you've went through USC and school system or inherited a Western education elsewhere, right? It's like, oh, I'm an individual, an individual. And it's like, okay, actually, what we saw at the Capitol was a group of individuals coming together as a group of people. They claimed yeah. that they were not a group of people, which is the ultimate USCN revolution. Let me just be a bit of a nerd for folks, high school history teacher. A bunch of rich folks who owned slave and wanted to dominate the land were pissed off in 1763 because the King of England said, you can't cross over this the Appalachians. It was the Royal Proclamation of 1763. And folks in the United States that were slave owners and were in to indigenous genocide that we call founding fathers were like, uh-uh, you're not going to disallow us to reproduce this dominant sense of European, particular Anglo-Saxon identity. And so the revolution that everybody claims is the beacon of democracy, people couldn't vote legally till 1965. So really the project started just about, I don't know, 45 years ago. So all of that to say is that if you believe you can learn all alone how to skate, there's the the mini ramp moment, if you will, to transition to how, as you, Ted, you're saying, what is, is the inheritance of like, get up, you're not, you know, don't show pain, keep working hard. And, and I think that that's, that's been quite destructive and also generative. Yeah, I will start just by giving some broad context around uh, the video. And I think that's important. Although also with regard to the founding fathers, I've I don't know anything about them. I know one of their names. His name was Michael. Um, he seemed like a, a fairly nasty fellow with a peg leg. I think that's right. Anyways, I didn't go to school. That's why I'm such a good revolutionary. <laughs> to entertain a, a discussion of right-wing tendencies and individualism in skating, there is a perfect video from a perfect 
poster commentator, just absolute shithead. Uh, his name is Tim Poole. He comes from the Illinois suburbs, much like many uh, toxic shithead who are skaters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm no longer entertaining my uh, my flattering of Illinois uh, that I'll, I'll wait for Kyle to come back to totally cower. Anyways, you know, I, I don't know his whole history or whatever. Um, I'm just kind of fascinated with these fucking losers and grifters enough to spend an hour on them. And he's a skater who he was in kind of low budget local vids with his friends or whatever. He's he's an able skater. Like he's not like a bull burner who just does speed lines. He can do he can do bonked nose grinds uh, where his back truck touches a little bit. He can do nollie hard flip late flips. He can do back 180 dolphin flips. He says he can do blunt kick flips, but you'll have to wait to see the footage. Uh, <laughs> he's definitely the kind of guy when people comment like kickflip crook, he's like, I can do that. Yeah, that's what he literally said. Somebody goes, do a blunt kickflip. And he goes, I can do that. I just need to get my camera set up, um, which is bizarre because all he does is talking to a camera. Anyways, he built, he built a reputation for himself as as a, an online journalist uh, documenting the Occupy movement. He was, he was just live casting the whole fucking time. So a lot of people were using his footage, talking to him about uh, Occupy. He got in through Vice and then supposedly had yeah, he a He channels heel. in a lot of populist rhetoric, yeah. Yeah, and so he had a heel turn at some point, kind of moved to this like intellectual dark web-ish space of, you know, just kind of like the, the people who like, are classic liberals or, you know, skeptics or whatever. It's a little, it's a little rhetorical trick that they do. They go, oh, I'm a classical liberal. And you're like, okay, dude, you're a fucking right wing grifter. Come on. Yeah. He has a large YouTube channel. He's like, well, he was on Joe Rogan and he made a video after his channel had grown to some success where he could make some money off of his YouTube views and his merch. He wears this fucking beanie all the time. Here's a clip from a video about a mini ramp and how skateboarding is the secret to his success. This is my mini ramp. It's for skateboarding. Well, actually, it's for whatever you want it to be for. It's just an object that you can do things on, but skateboarders tend to like it. There are other sports, scooters, rollerblading, BMX. They like these things, too. It's kind of amazing. It's a good feeling. It's also a sign of success. I finally have something of my own where no one can tell me what to do. But it's not just a symbol of success, it's a representation of what allowed me to get where I am and what allowed me to succeed. You may be asking yourself, what does a mini ramp have to do with success? And it actually has a lot to do. Skateboarding may be the best subculture in terms of teaching a young person how to succeed, what to expect, to be responsible for themselves, and to overcome challenges. And it's just this video of him talking about how he got his own mini ramp and that that's a testament to his success and his individual hard work and all this other fucking bullshit. There are some really good quotes in here, but I think that he really hits at the thing that we've heard our entire lives as skaters, which is that it's about falling and getting back up like you're you're the only one out there fucking, you know, it's not a team sport, all this other bullshit. Um, so did you guys have fun watching the video? Were you so glad that I linked you to a Tim pool video? <laughs> I'm always interested in what the algorithm takes us to as well. You didn't do a fucking private window. I told you engage the VPN, open a dark window, 
incognito mode. I don't know what you're saying, Ted. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That whole thing, like, definitely had me thinking because just as someone that, like, tries to get young people excited and make them feel like they really matter in this world and utilizing skateboarding as a way to bring people together and been a part of that, like, you know, having my experience just being a skateboarder and feeling lost and not having my community and just how, like, finding my community and still being able to skate, like be my true 100% authentic self and be accepted and loved in a community doing the same activity as I did, how impactful that was on my life and like how I don't want to imagine my life outside of that. Like hearing the way in which he uses very similar like roots, I'd say like the roots of what we believe in are very similar, but where his branches go, I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, So it just kind of made me like think about that, you know, and the way that I talk about the work that I do and what I believe in, I got to be very careful and a little bit more specific <laughs> about what I mean, you know, when I talk about things like, you know, building resilience, for instance. Sorry to yeah, cut Yeah, I mean, I know, no, I, if anything, I was cutting you off. I, I do think that like at its core, I mean, a lot of that messaging does ring true to people. And for, you know, since we both work on social skate projects, it's, it's the kind of rhetoric that we use on a daily basis. Like, you know, skateboarding does teach you how to fall and get back up. And it, I think uh, a thing that I often say is that it, it uh, gives you a very special relationship with failure, which is really helpful. But the thing that it that they don't mention is that, yeah, it's a form of cumulative and collective knowledge, right? It's not that no one physically could do a 360 flip nose grind 40 years ago. It's that we all kind of stood on the shoulders of our predecessors and we saw people do it. And now when kids go to the skate park, there's guaranteed a guy there that can, or a person there that can do a nollie heel nose slide, right? And they, they see it and that's the new expectation. And that's how you know, we learn very quickly, not to mention like literally the fundamentals of building a mini ramp. <laughs> well, <laughs> like he, he, pl- he talks about that. He says that he says that we are standing on the soldiers of giants. I don't know how to make a mini ramp. Not only that, the plans to make a mini ramp have been worked out through generations of skaters. But now because not, of but not as individual efforts, as collective efforts. Right. This is yeah. the thing that he he purposefully uh kind of uh, mis- misleads the the audience. Yes. And, you know, some, sometimes I think that we get a little ahead of ourselves, um, you know, very often about thinking about what skateboarding as an act does to a person. Because I believe that as an act, it is an apolitical pursuit. Like it's just, you know, shaking your body around on a little plank. But where skateboarding gets... It's, it's seasoning, it's soul is from it being a cultural activity, from it developing links and nodes, uh, you know, d- developing these networks where people have, you know, there's a, there's a meaning behind, sometimes they're used to police things, which I am very much doing with this guy. I, I hope to police him out of his bad ways, um, but he won't, he's lost. Anyways. But but skating really does. He's not get lost. Ex- he's rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually correct. Um, yeah. That's what a grifter does. Um, he also protected a forty-nine state landslide, which, according to the people at the Capitol, I think happened and then was hidden. And then I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard to really wrap my mind around it. But the thing that he does is he as he uses this language that we're told as skaters uh, who are engaged in it from a young age that it teaches you about falling and getting back up. That's a true thing. That's a good thing. It teaches you, you know, uh, he talks about the first time he dropped in. I scraped my knee. 
And yeah, the way the way that he enunciates his words uh, really drives me nuts. Yeah, it's very hard to listen to, but perseverance is good. You know, success over failure is good. You know, as long as you have a moral pursuit. But when he starts to use that sweetness and the cool of skateboarding to then drive home more subtle points that I think lead to darker corners. What he says is pro sliding down massive railings aren't things that everybody can do if they skateboard. Like you won't be able to just do that. But uh, by trying to work on yourself and to get better, it it humbles your entitlement. It makes you, it makes people less entitled, this skateboarding thing. And, and he says, we, we often think I should get this or this is unfair. And what you learn when you break your ankle is that the world is unfair. And that I think is a particularly, if subtle point, uh, anti-egalitarian at its core, but also um, like fucking. Nothing quite uh, like a rich, uh, rich white dude telling you that when you're eating shit, it's your own fault, right? Yes. Exactly. And, and, and it's this lesson that it's like, okay, skateboarding can teach you the lesson of resilience, but that the world is unfair and that should be accepted. Like, or he doesn't say that you should accept that the world is unfair, but that you should, you know, kind of get up or do whatever. But one, I, I, you'll learn that not by skateboarding also, but I think that's, that's kind of like a, that is like a very uh, status quo position. And I think it's very uh, like toxic and weird. Then he continues to say that skateboarding is not a team sport. And I think that that, that one talking point has been one of the most damaging, awful things that has been weaponized in skate language. Because there's, yes, it's true. Team sports, from my perspective, are bad and lame. Like, uh, being on a football team sucks. Why? Because it's jock shit and it's dumb as fuck and it sucks. Two, it's lame and it looks stupid. Three, I'm no good at it. I think so, team sports are kind of sick. I just hated having the coach always yell at me. I, yeah, I've I've had I did a lot of them and I had nothing but terrible experiences. But that skateboarding's value comes from it being rooted in its antagonism of a collective effort is I think very stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's, I was sort of thinking this in my head, but yeah, it's almost like you could take his analogy of like skateboarding and also like kind of prove him wrong. Because if you think about it, like if you're one of these kids that's like seven years old and your parents build you a skate park in your backyard or like send you to Woodward, like that's not related to your like skateboarding ability. Like that has a lot to do with like your financial privilege. Hundred you know? percent. As to, as Tim Ward <laughs> quickly points out, you look pick a kid out of a Supreme video, and they're probably a were a Woodward camper. Pick a professional yes. skateboarder, and they had a parent who was able to stay at home with them and build them a private skate park in their backyard and take them traveling, and they had access to a place with an industry hub or, you know, a a, a dad that films them and builds them out an Instagram that says run by parent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. And I would say there still are those examples of those people that come up outside of that. And then it's like, well, see, look, like anybody can do it. And it's like, well, fuck, like you got to be perfectly like able-bodied, very confident, you know, naturally like athletic, very hardworking, not scared. Like, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that, uh, movie about that climber guy, but 
like basically that dude sees like scary imagery and he doesn't flinch. Like his brain does not respond to fear. So like there's so many other like physiological, monetary, like every yeah. ism basically that will either well, benefit the, you or make you lose. So it's it's just funny that the what he presents here, there's just so many holes in it and his exact same logic can be used to like basically prove him wrong. <laughs> yeah, and the whole the whole point of this kind of right-wing media is to reinforce that system, right? Which is that you take an exceptional case, which is, you know, Tim Pool or Jordan Peterson or some pro skater that made it out of really rough conditions and somehow, you know, paved a path by becoming a really wealthy affluent pro skater. Shout out Stevie. <laughs> yeah. But which, you know, they're great heartwarming stories, but those are that is not the that's not the the baseline right yeah those are the exception yeah those are the exception to the rule and what is the reality is that yeah you take a cross-section of uh say professional skateboarding and yeah most of the people in the sport come from means most of my favorite skateboarders you know like dylan louis lopez any number of people it's like they had the resources to to build out a career and they did a really great thing with it you know yeah. Again, it's this very weird thing where it's like they, they do this trick, this like sleight of hand where they get you in the door with, I, I think, very common, sometimes good things to say. You know, it's it's good to learn resilience. It's good to learn perseverance. Then other popular things like that. The virtue of skating is that it's not a team sport. Like, I don't I don't think that that has I don't think it's opposition to team sportedness is necessarily uh a principle that needs to maintain, you know, if, if you, if you make, if you define yourself in your anti-jockness as I have made a habit of doing, you, you then build a reliance on the, the existence of those, of those things that you stand against. I would even uh, argue that skateboarding is a fucking team sport. Like from my perspective, like the way that clicks run and the way that I've felt excluded by things and not invited and just the way, I don't know, like, People, it's not like traditional with like a coach and stuff, but people definitely like crews of people. They all dress the same, basically wearing a fucking uniform, and they have yeah, the same vibe. Yeah, we're pack animals, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, I that's a weird thing though because I think that 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 the communal connections that we build through skateboardings are sca through skateboardings <laughs> through through skating is actually the best part about it, and that and. And I mean, sometimes they are toxic and sometimes they do, but they do reinforce, you know, status quo hierarchies, whether around gender or sexuality or race. But when they, when they function, I don't know why they do function like this, but when they function at a high frequency, it, it really is a transcendent cultural pursuit. You know, when you watch your favorite skate videos together with somebody, you know, like you're not that great of friends with somebody and you end up in a living room with them you never met them and you put on a, a jake johnson compilation youtube and you vibe out and there's something very special happening there that i think is i think that is the kind of sugar or the spice the the thing that kind of gives skateboarding its essence um and it's not that you're an individual against a crowd it's that you're a member of a community yeah so that's kind of i was basically say, saying the same thing effectively just that like it's not like skateboarding. There's like a bunch of different individuals just floating around skating yeah. by themselves and casually interacting and then going over here. Like, yeah. you know, it's a team sport in the sense that like people roam in crews. Yeah. I mean, Chris, I think what you said, like 
what happens if we don't use the word team and then describe what we're doing, right? So it's, it's a community, it's a social relationship, it's a crew, it's an accumulation of, of agreements. You can't be in a crew if you don't have agreements, right? And, and yeah. whether or not we make those transparent or not is a whole other conversation. But, I, you know, to think of skateboarding... Well, like, Ryan's out, not allowed to skate switch around me. Like, that's <laughs> just... That's an agreement Neither. that we have. It's, it's never been written... <laughs> Switches backward for me. So as long as we don't jump when we play basketball, we're all good. Um, uh, but so so if if we're talking skateboarding is not outside of USC and culture, right? So why would it not be deeply, as all of y'all have said, impacted by the violences and contradictions and kind of arrogances that come from? And I think Ryan, the word you said is important: exceptionalism. This country has taught itself and taught those that listen or are forced to that the United States is the exception to the rule. The city upon a hill when the hill belonged to somebody else and that city was worked by different bodies, right? But this notion that it's the exception and it does things differently and we're not, uh, we don't have to follow international law because we're the reference by which everything else is done. And that's not just a historical narrative. It's, it's a way in which we're taught to be in the world. Right. To think yeah. that. And so therefore, Saturday, folks were like, yeah, we're going to go over there and do those things. We we're entitled to do that. Right. Because yeah. we're the exception. We we don't fall under when that word says terrorism or insurrection. No, we're different. We're something else. And I think that yeah. that. Elon Musk said we can coup whoever we want. And that's this is also the language, the language of this is not America or this isn't who we are. That is just so brain damaging because you're you're just like, yeah, of course this is who we are. And also this is yes. what we do to every country that we control the resources of. Like this yes. is what coups look like in in the global south. Yes, and we should pin coups as we move on to our next speaker. But sorry, Alan, uh, we cut you off. I think that oh, you no, have so, some... Or actually, Kristen, Kristen, you brought it up. It's very important. What is, what's the history and what are the structural limitations to being able to be quote-unquote successful? And capacity has been defined by certain bodies and certain people in certain industries. Whereas when, you know, the at least in 2020, 2019, when all of these different skate crews are much more visible and and yeah. and intentionally saying there's different genealogies. And what I mean by that, I was, you know, I appreciated last time we talked and y'all reached out to Tommy Guerrero and Tommy G and he, he revealed that when he wrote, you know, and racism on his board, he was reading about Wounded Knee. He was reading about the Black Panther Party. So for me, as a young person seeing that it was it was a big it was a big moment but to know now later that that was also going on is a different genealogy it's a different understanding and i think that you know skate witches and unity and, and these other crews that are emerging we use that word intentionally so we move away from the team word but recognize this social relationship that's that's about mutual aid yeah. Right? It's about caring for each other and the each other are the folks that we be, share agreements with and that we open up to possibilities of recognizing, and this is Alyssa's quote, that we, we transform and how do we kind of not judge and how do we also protect? How do we urgently protect our communities that are targeted by the, the ideas and the bodies behind these ideas? And so I think, you know, that skateboarding is a place that culture is contested. 
right? And there's different elements yes. to it, right? And I think, you know, as I always say about y'all's, this podcast, this is fundamentally important to a different genealogy of understanding people in the past that more than likely had these conversations, but got jammed up physically by folks. Yeah, that and like when you're a Zoni, the, the need to broadcast your ramblings on skateboarding just necessarily finds the moment. So yes, it's, <laughs> it's very, this is very important uh, work we're doing here. Um, that just couldn't happen without a attention-starved, weird Tempe guy. Yeah, I uh, part of me wants to kind of reiterate what I said earlier, and maybe we can cut it. But the the thing that is so f- immensely frustrating for me, right, is that I have a lot of hostility for the kind of right-wing media people and the politicians that um, perpetuate this this myth, right, and kind of in trance people that are maybe victims and maybe they're maybe they're complicit in some of it but I, the, I see this the way that this enters into skateboarding right and I see the way that uh, oftentimes young males that are feeling isolated they're feeling alienated they're trying to find their place in the world which again is a is a system of the economy that we live in right yeah they, and or they're the beneficiaries of the existing uh, systems. Sure, but a, 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 an entry point for them is everyone around them telling them that they have white privilege or white male privilege and them feeling like, well, my life's kind of shitty, right? And so they gravitate towards these right-wing media people who, again, introduce perfectly harmless concepts like discipline or in Jordan Peterson's case, you know, cleaning up your room. Like these are totally harmless and uh, harmless practices, right? That will kind of create some mental health benefits, right? And it's just so frustrating because then what they introduce is this just like crazy 1950s style red scare shit, uh, some transphobia, um, this just, again, really disgusting individualist ideology. And instead of kind of explaining to them that like, look, actually under the past 40 years of, of this economy since Reagan, things have gotten much worse for people and mental health and, and depression is is rampant under this economy. And maybe you should try to talk to people and organize with people who are also feeling your pain and, and try to work your way out of this. I think that's what makes these Tim Pool figures who, who feels as though he needs to stop making more political content and he made a tweet about making more cool content like skateboarding and music because we are losing the cultural war. And so they see skateboarding as a vehicle for which it can be an entry point to these kind of heinous ideologies. And that's what I think is the the, the most perverse and, and the biggest bummer uh, in, in this sort of like media ecosystem or whatever, or, or in this, in this grift that they do because they're, they're both grifters to some level. To, to go back to the to the uh, whatever the insurrection at the Capitol, whatever you want to call it, the the some of the the pain points right against globalism, against uh, whatever corporations like that's real. That is a real thing that is making you miserable. It is not the thing that you think it is, which is you know in some cases it's an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Uh, the thing that kind of Jordan Peterson always talks about, which is cultural Marxism, which is not a thing at all. It's a thing that was made up by right-wing academics. The- well, it's actually <laughs> the new skin of postmodernism. Did you know that? And did you know that postmodernism is the new skin of Marxism? Yeah. And did see, you know see that? that uh, Lin- <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, and it, it's but it's so frustrating because you're like, there's such a kernel of truth there. And even in Tim Pool's case, I think that he like famously always talks about how, oh, I was a Bernie voter in 2016, and you know, I I got my start at Occupy, and he worked for Vice, which also Vice channels in a lot of right wing propaganda. But that's a whole nother co-founded story. Co-founded by Gavin McGinnis. Yeah, yeah, and but it's like there, you know, and so he used is this faux populist rhetoric which is again it's so frustrating because he knows better like he knows exactly what he's doing and he's getting you know just exorbitantly wealthy and he's just like the sad caricature actually of him doing a a blunt kickflip on his little three-foot mini ramp is like yeah that's what happens when skateboarding becomes an individualist uh sport right yes uh it does it does look sad yeah, th- th- there's also a tie-in to 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 class in in any, I think, uh, reactionary movement, which is that, you know, the 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 people who also benefit. We don't have a lot of those in skating because skating, I think, comes from skating isn't that popular with the elite class yet, but there are some who are just tremendously rich and who get into skating just because it's like seems fun. Their friends are into it or whatever, and some of them get good at it. And, and this other thing comes from, they get involved in these movements because they just, they really like being shitty to people who tell them no, like, and skating can kind of give that to you, you know, like to the, to the building owners or to, to women who tell you not to be a fucking piece of shit human. Uh, they, they don't like, they like the systems as they were before that lets them do whatever they fucking want. Totally uninhibited, totally, uh, unrepressed um and 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 skating i think sometimes has been cast as this this tool you know tim says it it's something that lets you do whatever you want but i i don't know paul hart's standing but it's like paul hart definitely isn't the dispossessed you know what i mean maybe alienated or maybe um whatever but no yeah he's not he is not what who i'm talking about when i when i kind of have but I, I do see the way that a lot of young, alienated, mostly men are, gravitate towards this stuff. Yeah. Well, any final p- thoughts on Tim Pool? He uses a slow-mo Tory Pudwell kickflip crook to illustrate his point of how good pro skaters are, which I think is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I had one thought, which was this, like, if, like, to Ryan's point about, like, these, like, I don't know, kind of disenfranchised, like, dudes right that are gravitating towards this like really dangerous ideology if on the right side of the aisle or whatever there's people that are welcoming them in just for who they are and not telling them that it's their fault right where like on the left like there's so much judgment and so much identity politics happening and so like i get a little bit nervous that if we start with talking about things like white privilege right to somebody that's like well i don't experience that i don't get that right like they're just going to turn around and walk the other way Whereas like, I just, that's something that I've just been kind of unpacking. I think this entire year is like, how can I move, how can we move forward beyond like canceling people? How can we move forward beyond like just identity politics and um, actually really like try to meet people and uh, where they're at and talk to them and have conversations and not use like these big, like kind of vague words, like problematic or whatever, (laughs) like, you know what I'm saying? And uh, try to actually have real conversations with people because I think at the end of the day, like, you know, I get very nervous that there's like all these YouTubers out there and all these conspiracy theories and like Q and all this stuff that is out there floating around. That's like welcoming people and welcoming people in like pretty startling numbers. And like, if on the left, we can't figure out how to like bring people in, 
Like yeah. that's yeah. really terrifying 100%. to me. And yeah, like I guess what I feel is that when I when I get DMs from people, like people hit me up uh, on Instagram and they, you know, they want to argue about politics and stuff and if they're in good faith, I'll try to have discussions with them, but the thing that I often notice is that there's no political imaginary beyond this kind of binary in this country, right? Of, of yeah. Democrat yeah. and Republican. And so yeah. they constantly get thrown off when I criticize Joe Biden or the Democrats. And it's like, I don't give a fuck For what? about the Democrats, but it's, it's like they, again, th these guys are playing on the very real, harm that you know the democratic party is 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 perpetuating right or the 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 vapid representation politics that they see or the fake political correctness masquerading as politics that goes on in some places on the media and the left and so or in the yeah. liberal left and it's like yeah those are real things dude like i don't blame you but like the the this this guy's pointing you to donald trump yeah that's yeah. the person exactly that th yeah. they're pointing you to the Republican Party. Yes, like the Democrats have sold out the working class, but like that doesn't mean that the Republicans <laughs> like aren't worse on all of those issues that yeah. you care about. Yeah. yeah. And so, but well, I mean, there there are there are a few issues on which they're much better at with with some of their beliefs. Well, I I think that uh we're going to we're going to near the end of of the ways in which skating is kind of framed uh as as uh, a right-wing uh, activity with this bit from Jordan Peterson, who's uh, uh, just a a famous crank. <laughs> I don't know what else to call him. Uh, he's just, he's, he's angry about a moving world and wants it to stop a spinning. Could I go, could I use a mini rant metaphor again, Ted? I'm sorry. You can, Alan, you can always use a mini ramp metaphor right. as long yes. as you don't make me skate a mini ramp. Okay. You know, we've had that conversation before. I was thinking about talking with Tim Ward about scale and how sometimes scale isn't always good. And I know that probably Kristen and Ryan, you know, in terms of the work that y'all do and what does it mean to kind of, you know, the difference between scaling and proliferating, like to get bigger or to, to have more. Right. And so, um, uh, in terms of, who do we talk to? Like who's in our worlds to talk to when we are talking about these issues of power or violence or transformation? And like, what kind of expectations do we have of different people in our lives? And if we see each other every day or twice a week, that may be a different interaction than just seeing somebody one time and having this kind of moment of, 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 of sharing an idea. And, and, and this is to your point, Kristen, about kind of you know, what does it mean to, to build a, 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 around a shared political imaginary that doesn't assume homogenousness, that it's different, but that we kind of uh, figure out uh, not everybody can skate the mega ramp, right? The mega ramp is a particular social relationship with the folks who have access to it, have the skill level, the set, the history, the knowledge, the network. Yeah, the curb well, is different. Elliot right? Sloan's my BFF, so I'm good. I, I I cannot not watch the ridiculous brilliance of that, right? But at the same time, thinking about scale and who we have conversations with, more maybe people have conversations at the curb, at Mitchell Park, at the local spot over time that then builds community. And at least I say that for me, being in a classroom often, where I feel 
very privileged to have a group of people that intentionally want to learn about a social justice issue that we work together for three months and study and learn together, right? Mm -hmm. And so that that there's like a, a time that goes into us, all of us, working through the contradictions of our own life and working through what it means to have a new analysis. Because how do we, when and how do we see the consequences of our changing perspective and meaning? And the, the consequences of changing how we may see and live in the world are the becoming. It is the doing. And therein lies, I think, the metaphor that may be appropriate for skating. It's the doing. It's not the failure and the trying. Yes, that's in it. But it's in the doing. And I think what I've been inspired by over the past year is the way in which these different crews are showing us that skating has all of these meanings. They've always been there and they've always been policed. So how do we not police both meanings of skating and the very people that are helping to create those meanings? Well, I feel conflicted about that sometimes as I, as I usually do around concepts of policing. Uh, one, uh, because my uncle's a cop and he's awesome, so you have to like him. Uh, one thing that I, that I think that I, I am pursuing here is to negate the effects of skateboarding used as a sort of uh, honeypot to get Yes, of course. It's real, insidious, and malicious. Yeah, like, you know, to get either alienated people or whatever, people who think skating is cool, into the political right wing. And I'm also trying to, I guess, police the way in which skating is perceived as an individualistic pursuit. Um, and th- can, can we take just a quick moment to just... Uh, the, the A thing that is so absurd to me is the way that I see like hardcore Joseph McCarthy era, red scare, anti-communism shit seep into skating and seeing skaters post videos of people from literally the 1950s, black and white videos talk about the, the fears of communism. And I'm like, these are like John Birch society people, you know, like just real sickos. And I'm thinking fine Americans. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, we have literally never lived in a time where corporations have more control over every aspect and facet of our lives. Like yes. ever. And yes. it's just, it's so absurd to me because you're just like, I mean, they literally <laughs> take down the the president of the United States is uh, yes. speaking power. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. It is, but but in the in the kind of again in the the ideological confusion that these guys purposefully uh, put out there, you know, is that oh the the corporations are communists, right? They're, they're they 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 shared a BLM thing, so Coca Cola must be Marxist. Okay, yeah. got it. Oh, dude, Amazon had a, had a BLM thing, and people were saying that uh, about Jeff Bezos. Like, I was like, <laughs> "Motherfuck!" <laughs> like, straight up robber baron Jeff Bezos. The fuck are you talking about? And yeah, exactly. And well, that's the other thing in which politics has become not, in a lot of ways, a discussion around economic systems and. Uh, it's all about cultural stuff because the yes. economic stuff is off the table. We're never going to get anything good and we're just eating shit all the time. Yeah, that's like, right. That and just, that, and curiously, except that for like one guy who works from his bedroom and watches skate videos all day and edits podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got one fucking, you got a pinhole, like, you know, small opening that I just, you know, 
fit my kick flippers but, right that, into. That, but that like really is, it, that's the thing that's so sad to me is that especially right now living through this and so many people are just, just suffering and there's just mass immiseration and, and we're just such a housebroken group of people, a nation that we just, no, we just accept it. And like, yeah. again, uh, because a lot of people don't really travel out of the country and they don't understand that even just basic social democracy should be expected in developed countries that no, you just have to eat shit. And that like, even it, like, I'm going to argue against getting a handout or unemployment insurance. I'm going to argue that then actually, no, none of us uh, deserve to get any of it. And it's just like, ah, it just, Hero of the it, democracy. Joe Manchin says you can't have 2000 bucks. <laughs> it just breaks my yeah. heart. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's one thing to not get it, but it's the, uh, you know, it, there really is some truth that, 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 People often have this misconception that austerity and um, really tough economic times and recession are going to like breed a revolutionary spirit or that, you know, it's going to foment anger against the system. And it's like, no, you see where that goes. It just goes into like QAnon and crazy, rabid anti-communist shit that has no relevance whatsoever, but helps at least explain people's suffering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you bring up uh, red scare bullshit because that is exactly the guy who uses skateboarding as uh, the honeypot to get people in. And that's Jordan Peterson. Uh, rule number 11, do not bother children when they are skateboarding. That's a very specific one there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, that's a, that's an essay about masculinity mostly. You know, I used to watch kids skateboard and the kids are often shooed away. It's like, wait a sec, they're, they're practicing being courageous. They're practicing mastering something in the face of danger. You know, and a lot of the rebellious behavior of young men in particular, which is very frowned upon in the schools. It's like, that's toxic masculinity, you know, that horrid, horrid phrase. Mm-hmm. It's like, leave those damn kids alone. Who's wildly successful whatever the fuck it's called. You'd think I'd know the title by now. 12 Rules for Life, a guide to being a fucking kick-ass dude who doesn't have to listen to anybody. He he has a chapter called uh, Do Not Bother the Kids While They're Skateboarding or Do Not Bother People While They're Skateboarding. And he says it's an essay on masculinity. And again, it's these points that say that we shouldn't stop skateboarders because what they're trying to do when they board slide down those stairs on St. George Street in I think Canada, which Toronto. is like, isn't Canada a communist state? Like, anyways, <laughs> fucking this guy is saying, you know, don't bother like, these kids. It, he's like, why is Etienne so fluid when he goes down the bank on the stairs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Hanson, who wrote for The Baffler, is a, the vice writer who, who did that incredible piece, A Crime and a Pastime, says it's actually a nod to Peterson's like research or intuition that he calls it a board slide. He accurately describes the the trick, but he says sliding down the rails, risking, you know, because he says it's an an essay on masculinity and that I think that he has a pretty firm biological framework around what is masculine, right? Like it's maleness. So he says, you know, they're risking getting sacked basically and their balls hurting and whatever else. But it's that, that that this rebelliousness should not be quelled 
but it should be fostered. It, it's no different than the Chicago uh, head of the Chicago Police Union saying that what the people were doing at the Capitol was just blowing off some steam. That's yeah. the exact same argument scaled. Yeah. It's, yes. it's also boys will be boys. Yes, it's totally boys will be boys shit. And again, it's it's this it's this twisting thing where it is good to be a skeptical mind, to not accept things at face value, to look into them, to consider them critically. But it's not I I see this time and again, but it's that like rebelliousness and individualism is an end to itself. And it's like I, I don't I don't mean to rebel against the dope shit in life. Like I I you know, I and so teaching rebelliousness just as a general practice, a supposedly fine thing, but his rebelliousness then comes against, you know, third wave feminists, against postmodernism or whatever his boogeymen are, which he basically just thinks is Marxism under a new word. And yeah, then Frankfurt school shit. Then he then he draws that shit in through his po- wildly popular YouTube lectures, through his insanely lucrative uh, speaking engagements to to further drive home the fact that postmodernism and cultural Marxism are the real enemies of of our, our of our modern times that are getting in through elite schools and twisting the minds of our young people. And again, because they're so obsessed with shaping the minds of the youth, they see skating as a tool to then counteract those um, fallacious narratives that they, or the the narratives they think are fallacious. So again, it's just, this is the stuff that really sickens me where, you know, skateboarding breeds a healthy sense of rebellion. Cool. Good. Where does that lead? Fucking (laughs) into the fact that he says that, if you look at anywhere that communism has sprung up, it has been uh, uh, used to tamp down like individual freedoms or something like that. Yeah. He says, he says that communism has been so thoroughly discredited that only an absolute reprobate would, would support it. And, and he says that it was put in many places throughout the 20th century communism and that it was worse. He says this, the national socialism, which is Nazism and so it's just, it's like the thing takes a fucking right turn so fucking fast. And that's where I think I'm so disgusted in, in the ways in which that the language and the, and, the, and the lessons of skateboarding are then used as, as a weapon into the right wing. Yeah, I mean, and that's, a, that's really an American pastime too, right? As, as the, our citizens eat shit. Um, we're going to fear monger about another country, right? I hear that from a lot of older people in my life that, again, don't really understand that we are exceptional in the way that we are uh, utterly failing to meet the the demands of coronavirus and and yet they'll go spoiling well, vaccines yeah you want going to to, bad yeah you want to move to china you want to move to vietnam and you're just like you don't even understand that we're just eating shit and they're telling you to be afraid of those places for yes because it suits their needs like that's the role of the media and and propaganda yes kristen i wanted to ask you i mean what do you kind of get out of the uh, i don't know how familiar you are with jordan peterson's work but what do you get out of the boys will be boys and kind of the inherent uh, confrontation with danger that they talk about as it regards skating. I mean, yeah, I thought it was like 
definitely unfortunate he was using like masculinity as like cis men like talking about I don't know, it just drives me nuts in general. Like, just when people talk about skateboarding, like, and only refer to like men or male pronouns or like, mm-hmm. you know. So that was just like pretty infuriating. Yeah, that it's a men's sport in general. Exactly, or and or that's sport. like the default, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I've been listening. I've been on a project to listen to every episode of the Bunt lately, and like that's been coming up for me a lot. Like, why am I so frustrated at the end of listening to this? I'm like, oh yeah, because they're really only talking about skateboarding in the in a certain subsect right or what for me it's the sports skating (laughs) yeah uh that's a little wild too but yeah i that definitely came up for me and also just the fact that like being like daring or wanting to try something like has something to do with like your gender or like men developing and like i just think that's really weird i think it's uh what you learn on a skateboard when you mentally like I'm just thinking from my perspective and not necessarily in the perspective of what Jordan was saying, but in that video, but like, I know that for me, like any experience where I have self doubt and then in my head, I just go fuck it. And I like just tell myself to shut up basically. And I'm able to like do something I never thought was possible. Like, I think that's super beautiful. And like, yeah, the thing that like killed me about this was just like him talking about that as like a rite of passage or like a way to like manhood or like whatever yeah. he was trying it's, to it's spin on be, it. It's, it's how you become an Eagle Scout. Yeah, it was yep. like, yeah, that to me was like the most like cringeworthy part of it. Yep. And the thing that frustrated me probably the most, um, because I think like the only reason why people think about it as like men and masculinity and like all that shit is because like, they just don't even know that other bodies, other types of people do that. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's uh, it's very narrow minded. And to be honest with you, like the way that I see like Q and I see these like conspiracy theorists and things like that, they are trying to make sense of things that are like extremely complex. And they're trying to like find a really easy way to like quell their curiosity, make things make sense in their brain and leaning on like their natural biases which are like heteronormative like patriarchal like all of those like consistent themes like they just kind of lean on it and it's like to me it seems like oh like you utilize skateboarding in this context to make a very convenient like analogy Mm -hmm. for you and like i'll just say like cool with millennials yeah so that's kind of the most annoying thing i think too is just uh like skateboarding is such a blank like canvas or like it can totally be molded in every fucking way you want possible. And you know, there are certain aspects that I truly believe that like skateboarding is like a political act. Like honestly, like going and skating private property and not giving a fuck about the fact that it's private and treating like property as if like all people should be entitled to occupy spaces. Like, yes, that's badass. But then when you're going and like invading like a place where like a person experiencing homelessness is like fucking trying to live and you're being a dick to like, passerby you know what i mean or like filming women without their consent like zooming in on their butt or whatever like all of that shit is fucked up so it's like it is crazy to me that skateboarding is like getting pulled in these different directions and like kind of being used to like articulate someone's point yeah and like it's it's bullshit it's getting weaponized and what's interesting about the what comes to mind when when talking about confronting danger is the role that skateboarding played in the protests over the summer right like those were some of the for even for non-skaters i know that that has been a uh uh a common sentiment, which is like, wow, skateboarding kind of shows up in every viral image of, of the, the, the BLM protests. And further and months later, again, well, 
it was another BLM protest, but yeah, exactly. The, the Anthony Huber, you know, that, that was a very confronting of danger moment, uh, for which he unfortunately, uh, paid a, a fairly severe toll. It, it's just, it's, it's very bizarre because right. It's, it's these like maxims or, or it's these principles that they take, which is like confronting danger and overcoming it. Yes. Very nice. Like he thinks that the skate stoppers look ugly. Yes. Very nice. And then again, uh, straight to why we need to enable the, the more, uh, just weird parts of kind of traditional masculinity. It's, it's so, it's such a, uh, I wonder how innocent it is, though. So what I, I mean, I wonder. I don't if think it's, it's right innocent turn. at all. He's a fucking right. intelligent right. fellow. He knows what he's doing. Well, and and so if if it's not a right turn, if it's still going straight, which is problematic, right? Instead of maybe a bit more crooked, if you will, um, <laughs> perhaps Tommy uh, G. Yeah, or you know, uh, vision blind. Um, if 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 we're not t- team sport. Olympic minded, but artists and artists imagine a world that's new and skateboarding is a contested imaginary. Who do we stand next to? Right. And so because rebellion has been emptied of of its political meaning of changing the status quo and can therefore be like because you're just different or you went on a motorcycle or you, you know, read on the road, then then how do we and this goes back to Kristen, what you were saying earlier about how do we create spaces where people can create new things? Skaters, as I keep saying, we create, we create, we create. How can we not imagine something new so that the language that we're using to define what we're doing also recognizes that um, that uh, in creating something new and different, you have a political analysis as a result of coming up against the barriers to do what you're trying to do. So as opposed to saying, here's the analytic, the political analysis of from below, the critique of, of capitalism, and I'm saying I don't do that, but how do we see in the doing an analytic of what has limited us to doing what we want to do? And that emerges, and that's all of that, y'all are situated differently in the, in, in the skate world. So that that question is going to mean something different than it may mean to me, say, in the university asking similar questions of what does it look like when we see the consequences of our changing perspectives and meanings? One, it means that I film a killer video part and don't call it a killer video part anymore uh, because the aggressive language, I think, generates some... Uh, no, that's actually how you get YouTube views. Come on, man. You learn nothing yeah. from watching those Tim Pool videos. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Schmitz uh, does a killer nollie flip into steep-ass bank. Hey, man. It's hard work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seems like we have lost some way to really talk about the virtues of skating in a lot of these cases, because they do get perverted, you know, in a, in a almost, you know, Shakespearean sense about Bible quotes, but it's that we saw this shit. I think it's a deleted tweet now, but the guy who said skateboarding is anti-authority or was counterculture. And, uh, you know, it's counterculture now is cops, you know? So like skaters like should be down with cops. Like yeah, the donut cop guy who's a big Twitch streamer and has a skate shop. You just see this just idiotic shit about the sort of principles of skating 
and that language being twisted and it's um it's it, it does make it a very hard project to rethink the ways in which we talk about the benefits of skating without them being able to be captured by uh the, the hallmark of the right wing is that it is counter-revolutionary, is that it's, it, it is the status quo. And so it's, it's about that shit. Not, I don't, I don't necessarily even see skateboarding as a political act. Typically, I think that it's, it's ultimate yeah, benefit same. comes from not that you have, not that you learn life lessons or that you fucking become a better person by doing it. It's that, like for me, life is a fucking dumpster pile and that I'm just eating garbage just with myself all the time. I fucking hate myself constantly <laughs> and I like to feel good and not be in there. And my friends skating with them, doing tricks, hucking fatty bennies, you get a sense of a transcendent alternate reality and it's not, it doesn't mean anything. Sure. It just doesn't feel like eating garbage, hating your body, hating your mind, being fucking stuck with the terror of your own self. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And I, 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 I really think that a lot of people maybe confuse some of the things that we talk about on the skating when we get into politics, but it's, it has nothing to do with the act of skating itself. You want to, you want to talk about labor and skateboarding. You want to talk about, uh, you know, racism or homophobia or, or uh, those types of issues. Like, yes, that those are, that's a whole different conversation that involves the act and the community of skateboarding, but it's not integral to the skating itself. There's nothing yes. in, about the essence of skateboarding that kind of can teach you one thing or another about uh, uh, politics. Yes. Which makes it extraordinarily useful to be weaponized by people like this. I think. Yes. Yeah. Because it doesn't have a firm, actual ideological pinning to the act or to the, you know, whatever. It can be many things. Okay. Well, let's, let's hope for a better, either more meaningless or at least less weaponized to the right wing skateboarding in the future. Let's look to the past. 2020 a dog shit year that I guess stopped and then just kept going. Is that how time works? Uh, Cause it still feels as bad as ever. I think we, we had some gold nuggets from skateboarding in 2020 and we should look at some of them. I hope everybody came with a list and if not, I'll give you some of mine. <laughs> Kristen, you want to start us? I think one of the funniest things that happened this year was when Mikey Taylor tweeted asking what the best system was <laughs> and <laughs> communism won. Yeah, socialism. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Oh, it's socialism. Yeah, I loved it. I that loved was, it. That was pretty good. Yeah, good old February 9th. Yeah, so it's good to have fun on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Holy shit, it's dark out there. But but hands down, my my favorite fucking poster skate moment is the video series of Blondie McCoy guy talks to camera that all start with like a like a ominous almost like. Uh, sociopathic. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hello. And then he goes on to, to talk about the virtues of 
listening to differing opinions online. It's like and very, not very an echo chamber. It's, yeah, very normy internet kind of uh, discourse, which is just like be mindful of the the ways in which Facebook algorithms lead you down a dark path. <laughs> yeah, I think we're spending a lot of time on our phones, but I recognize the irony of broadcasting this to you from my phone. Also, re- just got to respect it, though. He's a poster. And actually, like, the the mechanics of, of talking into a camera while you're walking and t- having a cohesive thought is really fucking difficult. So Seriously. I got to respect him for that. That's really, really tough to do if you've ever tried it. I think uh, for me, uh, a breakout moment that we saw saw that kickflip tail side from Bigspin, and that was when Aaron was suddenly on the scene. And uh, oh yeah, I, oh, I yeah. Think that, this was, that this, was 2020. This was yep. both the year of Aaron and uh, the year of Nick Michael um, for me. Those were the two kind of breakout Lotties, stars. Uh, I knew Nick Michael prior to 2020, but I feel like this was really his year. But to go to Aaron, we went on that Crux NYC trip, and I would love to interview her for the show, but she seems kind of indifferent about doing interviews, um, which I don't blame her. It sucks. But uh, the the most fascinating part of that story was just the absolute instant rise to stardom that she had, which was just like, I'm just a person who skates at a park in rural Delaware. Yes. I don't, I just skate with my friends and her friend posted the clip on the internet and just immediately overnight, seemingly just had a viral Instagram account and kind of took the world by storm. And um, yeah, it's just been exciting to watch. And I just felt like it was the perfect kind of confluence of, of all of these things happening. Right. And uh, people wanted feel good content because the year was just really shitty and the protests and stuff like that. And it was like, suddenly there was a new skate star to channel all this positive energy into. And that was, that was really great. Such a, a feel good story. And I'm really stoked to see where Aaron's career goes. Yeah, in in biomedicine, right? Yeah, <laughs> literally <laughs> doing lab most... work for for COVID tests. And yeah, that's the other part of the story is that she just has a full time job and is a a normal kind of adult, and now is propelled into this this world where she's thinking, you know, should I be a pro skater? And how odd that is to be, you know, a, a not old, but you know, not a twenty year old that's kind of having to consider entering yeah. into the 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 pro ranks and traveling and doing all the things that pro skaters do. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot different to be like a teenager, like on that arc where you like are a teenager and then like before you maybe like go to college or like create a career or whatever, f- try to figure out how you're going to make money. Skateboarding sort of falls in your lap and you kind of, well, I guess I'll pursue this. And if I fuck up, I'm only like 22. Whereas yeah. like imagine, you know, just the difference. And that's actually happened for a lot of people in the like women, trans, queer, like all, all of a sudden, like everyone's like, oh shit, like we need a you know, a person like that on our team, right? The entire industry is like, you know, scrambling. And then it's like, we have people that are like really good skaters have been skating for a very long time and doing their thing. And all of a sudden being like, all right, can you shoot a photo? And they're like, uh, like landscape portrait. Like they don't like, I'm just talking to a lot of my friends on the back end of the industry. And like, there's just all these people that are totally new to it. Like having to like quit jobs. Like, I mean, that happened to Leo Baker, like was like a full-time graphic designer, Alexis Sablone even, you know? And yep. then now it's like mm-hmm. happening to people like Aaron where it's like, well, do you go and pursue your childhood dream or like just keep ripping and, you know, working your day job? Like, you know, and either would be Stack success in my mind, but yeah, it, like, I just it, think it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. This compare might that be a, to the traditional arc. This, yeah. This might be a good thing to unpack on a separate episode, but the, there is an interesting phenomenon where irreverence is kind of the, 
it's the thing that sells, right? If you look at some of the Supreme kids, it's it's all about how they don't care and and they're so irreverent. They don't even really care to be sponsored, and they you know run their Instagram accounts in a way that uh, is pretty non-traditional to the way a lot of pros have to run their their shit. And in reality, like Aaron is the irreverent pro skater <laughs> because yeah. she, you know, all of us, uh, everybody who's in pro skating, especially guys and even the people who are on those teams, like we were cultivating a career over years, right? Like pursuing yeah. a shop sponsor and then pursuing a, uh, getting on the rep flow. And Zero on, flow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then you kind of go through this this period where you change things up and you're like, actually, I don't care. You know, I, I, I could care less about this, but it's real fascinating because in Aaron's case, and again, in some of the other skaters case, it's like, that's the real, that was actually the real story, which was that they weren't pursuing this and it just yeah. literally fell in their lap. I want, I want to share maybe something that's related to this in terms of favorite things that happen. And it's part of kind of like, what do you do before you're a professional skater? What do you do when you're one and when do you do after? I'm not one, so this is just hypothetical. But I want to shout out to the to the transition that Skate After School did during COVID and the way in which they were redistributing resources and working with other mutual aid projects, partly along the lines of well, what do you do? What does it mean to to like be a full person that skating helps you become? That's different than the pool argument we were talking about earlier, right? So if yeah. you're a graphic designer that leaves, it's like, okay, well, you're still an artist. You're st right. There's still that, that generative kind of thing that's happening. So that, that was sort of one of my favorite things is, is to kind of see that intentional way of, of actualizing kind of an everyday response to COVID locally, right? That is, is something that's, I think, a provocation to, Whoever is hearing this, wherever you're at, you know, how do we how do we mutually survive with each other when there is this onslaught of these accumulated violences? And so, you know, the the the, the transition, the number of skateboards that were getting given out, the circulation of Skate After School as a as a project um, and the network that Skate After School is part of with, you know, other folks that, that y'all um, that y'all work with. So awesome. Uh, Kebs, you got a skate moment? Uh, I did have Aaron, so throw some weight behind Ryan's there. But um, yeah, I would say Alexis Sablone's interview on the bunt. That was, was so good. Really, really good. Um, and I also feel like it was like a moment uh, in like the women's skateboarding history. Whereas I would say all the greats that have kind of come before Alexis in a similar way, like say like Alyssa Steamer or Jamie Reyes and um, like those type of folks, like I think the way that they came up and their ability to survive in the toxic masculine culture was to very much come from this like very universal type of like way of explaining how they exist in skateboarding. Like so many people have asked like Alyssa Steamer, like, oh, like, what do you think about like women's skate crews or whatever? And Alyssa's like, oh, I wasn't a part of that. And that's authentic to her. Like, and from my perspective, that's like how like someone like her really survived and in some regards, like thrived in like the male dominance of skateboarding and how she carved a space. But I would say the way in which like Alexis Ablone was speaking about the women's experience, like she finally, like we have literally the best like women skateboarder inarguably like had a killer year, like did yes. amazing things like from like magazine, like covers to like video parts to, you know, just crushing it in every regard yeah. basically. Um, 
like her actually calling sexism out and like pretty explicitly and speaking to her experience. And I just think it's so badass that like literally her first part dropped almost like 20 years ago. Like, you know, and just like where she is compared to her counterparts from that original video, you know, comparing to like what is PJ Ladd doing right now? You know what I mean? Like everybody in that video, like just seeing where she's at, like just that she's at like this really high moment in her career and just was able to just really call shit out. Like for me as a woman skateboarder, I was just like listening to my headphones. I was like, yeah, like fucking say that shit. Cause that's the first time that that's happened. Like there's been a lot of people that have been outspoken about their experiences, like Leo Baker and stuff like that. But just Alexa, like Alexis, after having this amazing year, just saying that shit and that being kind of the cap to it, to me, that was, that just meant a lot. I felt like that was, we're on the next chapter now. Respect the goat. the goat. Yes. Alan, you got a trick? It better not be a rocking bowl. No, I'll, I'll do this. I, I dislocated two of my fingers doing this the other day. It's just a, a front side no complete of 50 50 on a ledge. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. Wait, like, like you do a front 180. And then no you're going comply. switch 50-50? Yeah. Yeah, but, but switch, I'm old enough where switch is just backward, right? But yeah, it's exactly that. Um, yeah. And I do it pretty often over at Pecos, and it's kind of my go-to. And the other day, I went on the side of the ledge and dislocated both fingers. But I did pull them out right away and roar like a man. Yeah. That's what skating's about. Yeah. It's fucking Masculinity. popping your fingers out <laughs> and putting them back in right. because you got to fucking bleed for this shit. Eating Honestly, a lobster though, or something. Is there, <laughs> is there a better word for that? Well, everyone, thank you again for listening. Alan, thank you again for joining us. Ryan, thank you again for not skating Switch in front of me. I'm having a good one right now. I need you to keep doing that. Kristen, thank you always for the big yellow beanie and the insightful words and... I hope to see you soon, although I don't know if you're coming out sooner than later because it, we are literally, once again, number one, baby. <laughs> Dude, I'm so bummed. I wanted to come visit so bad, but then I like Googled it and I was like, and you, oh, you hell Googled no. Zony Roni and <laughs> it was top Dude, of the charts. It's whatever that Q Shaman bro is spreading that shit. That. that <laughs> It's serious business. Um, sweet. Thank you all again. Hell yeah. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Our intro music is by the band Roar, R-O-A-R. Credits music, as always, by the wonderful Alana Bryan, I-L-A-N-A dot B-R-Y-N-E on Instagram. And our logo and graphic design is by Michael Warfel at W-O-R-F-U-L. Check them out. If you want to hear more of our best skate moments of 2020, those will be available on our Patreon feed. Thank you again for all the support.
Show me.